morning. So glad you guys are here. If you remain standing, my name's Brad. If you're new, I'm, uh, I'm the pastor. And I, I want to say um, happy Mother's Day, um, especially to all the men, because without us, this day would not be possible. Uh, yeah. So go ahead, hug a man right now. Tell him thank you. Uh, no, don't do that. Do not do that. Be a revolt from all the ladies, and I'll only be preaching to the men this morning. So, but we're glad you're here. Mom, seriously, um, you're awesome. If you didn't get your gift, we have a free gift for you. It's out in the lobby. Uh, if you're wondering what's in that little bag, um, it's what we want for lunch. That's what's in there. So it's a little list of what we want. And it's a little shopping list. It's, it's awesome. I'm kidding. It's not. It's good. It's good stuff. Uh, after the service, if you are new... Uh, or if you came with a friend, or even if you're from out of town, and I know before the service I got to meet a lot of you, but if not, we would love to say hi. Laura and I will be back in starting point. Just look for the signs by the front door, and we would just love to connect with you for a few minutes and just say hi. So if you have a Bible, let's uh, look at Mark's gospel. It's in the New Testament. Mark chapter 10 is where I am going to be. And um, while you're turning there, we are in our series called Church Clothes. And this series is really about the misperception that I believe the world has about the church today. And we are seen as judgmental, we're seen as divisive, uh, even today being labeled as a, a hate group. And that's not who we are. We know that as followers of Jesus, we're not, that's not who we are. So the series is about, you know, rethinking our brand of clothes that we're wearing. What is it that we should be wearing? And we, we've been looking at this passage uh, that Paul uh, gave to the Colossian church, and it's in chapter three. We've been, I challenge you to memorize it. I want to put it on the screen. I want us to say this together. What does it look like to put on Christ? This, I believe, is the character of Christ, and I believe this is the brand of church clothes that's going to change the world and change the perception that the church has, and they're going to see who Christ really is. So we're trying to memorize this together, so let, let's just say it together. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. So today, I want to talk to you about that word humility. I talk about being humble and great, humble and great. So let's look at Mark's gospel, um, chapter 10. If you're on your mobile device, I read out of the New Living Translation. So look for the NLT is what you're, you're looking for. Uh, if you're new to church, Mark, by the way, was not one of the 12 disciples, but he actually was a companion to Peter, and he uh, worked with Peter in his ministry. And so he wrote a lot of the accounts down, and that's how we have this. And we have this story about Jesus. Jesus has his 12 disciples um, he's teaching them, he's training them, they're, they're uh, moving together, and it says this in verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, two of his disciples, they came over and they spoke to Jesus and they said, hey, hey we want you to do us a favor. So Jesus says, hey, what, what is your request? And they replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right, the other on your left. But Jesus said to them, you, you don't know what you're asking. Now, we know what they were asking, but they had no idea. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm able to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Oh, yeah, 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 of course, of course we are. Yeah, yeah, we're able. We just want the, the spots, you know, if you give us the spots. And Jesus said, well, you're, you're going to drink from the bitter cup, which is exactly what happened. James martyred and killed for his faith. And John 
sent off to a prison by himself to live out his days alone. You're going you're gonna to drink from the bitter cup. They had no idea. You're going to be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. God's prepared those places for the ones he's chosen. This is great. When the 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. So Jesus calls them together and says, listen, you know the rulers of this world, they, they lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. Not that that's happening in our culture at all. Not that politicians or people in our culture are narcissistic at all. We have no clue what that's like, do we? But among you, it will be different. As a follower of Jesus, you got to clothe yourself and look different. It's going to be a different picture. Whoever wants to be a leader must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, he's giving himself this title that he's the Son of God, the Messiah, came not to be served but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Father, for this passage of Scripture, we are grateful. For this moment we have to be in your house today, we are thankful. We would ask that you would speak to us. We come here hungry. Many people, God, in this room right now, some need hope, some need healing, some need peace, and, and some just need to know that they have a purpose in life. And I ask that you would speak over your people today. Let's pray for one another right now. You might know the family members next to you or might be a stranger, but let's just pray that God would speak to each of us. Pray that God would speak to you as well, to your own heart. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you can pray. You, you can pray right now. God, speak to me. Uh, pray for me as, as your pastor. Um, I want to be faithful to what God is trying to get said to us today in Jesus' name. And if you're ready to hear from him, give me a big amen. And before you see it, turn to three ladies and say, you look beautiful today for Mother's Day. You look beautiful today for Mother's Day. Looking good. Looking good. Well, i got to make a uh, kind of a confession I like to win. Like, I, <laughs> really, buddy? I got, I've been heckled in both services now. Totally heckled by people who know me. Like, shocking that Brad likes to, to win. I, I hate losing. I'm very competitive. Doesn't matter what it is, and it doesn't matter who it is. Like, Laura and I, one of our biggest disagreements we've ever had was uh, when we were dating in, in high school. And I thought it would be fun on a date to go play putt-putt. I thought that would be fun. Uh, but guys, if you're single, don't take your girlfriend for anything that you could possibly lose to, okay? So I, I went out to play putt-putt, and, and we start playing, and we get a couple holes in, and she's just like, oh, this is so much fun, this is so much fun, you know? And um, that's my best impression of my wife right there. So she lines up to, to, to putt, and she putts, and it's the windmill. Do you guys remember the windmill thing? It was like, like this. And, and it shoots right between the, the, the two um, things. What are those things called? The sails, the, 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 the blades. Thank you, the blades. Thanks for help. Good audience participation is very helpful. Thank you, Brian. You're awesome. And so it, she shoots it right between the blades. And she's like, oh, my gosh, where did my ball go? Where did my ball go? And she bounces the other side. I can't find my ball. And she's like, oh, it's in the hole. It's in the hole. <laughs> like, oh, nice. Great. <laughs> it is my turn. Line up to hit it. You think it went between the blades? No, smacked off the blades at like 90 miles an hour. Bings off the side of the concrete, bounces down the sidewalk into the goldfish pond. I'm like, really? 
We get like seven or eight holes in. We're getting towards the back nine. She's got me by like seven strokes in putt-putt. And I'm just frustrated. And she looks at me and she goes, this is supposed to be fun. I'm like, you know what's fun? Winning. Winning is fun. That's what's fun. <laughs> so I just faked a hamstring injury. I was like, oh, pull it up. Pull the hammy, honey. I got I to gotta go. But I, what I found out, though, was sweet little Laura is just as competitive because what I found out, her little, little act of like, oh, no, she wanted to win as bad as I wanted to win that day. And I think we kind of pass that down to our children because they're very competitive. And so we, this is really not a joke, we can't play board games together because World War III breaks out. It's not fun for us. Like the cute picture they put on the Milton Bradley cover that ain't our family. We didn't pose for that. I mean, we just don't, we're just so competitive. I just got to win. Even, I remember my boys were growing up. We would uh, play basketball and they'd be playing basketball in the driveway and I'd come home at the end of the day and they'd be like, dad, dad, dad. They're like six, seven years old. Like, you play basketball with me? I'm like, absolutely, absolutely. You think I let them win? Heck no. Heck no. No way. I mean, I'm just like, boom, go pick it up in the neighbor's yard. That's right. I'll be right here waiting on you. Now, I know some of you are like, oh my goodness, that's terrible. You should let your child win. <laughs> Pay attention, young dads. Actually, you should. You should let them win because here's, here's what happens. They grow up. <laughs> you get older. They get faster, you get slower. And then one day, they beat you. And when they beat you, they know you have been beating them their whole life, and they know I legitimately beat dad today, and they just own it. It's miserable. Don't do that. They will hold that over you for a long, long time. I mean, I just, I love to win. I, I think, honestly, inside every one of us, if we're, we're honest, we, we like to win. We, we want to win. Now, I know some of you are like, oh, no, I seriously, I don't, I don't mind losing. Yes, you do. You hate it. You don't like it at all, okay? We all want to be successful. Like, we all want something great to happen in our lives. We, we want to know that our, that, that our, our life, like, counted, that, man, I, that I, I, I was the best at something, but as followers of Jesus, it makes us uncomfortable to say that, doesn't it? I mean, you just feel like guilty, like, well, I should want to be humble like Jesus. You know, I'm trying to be like him. And after all, Paul said, put on humility. So I'm trying to put on humility, and I'm okay with losing. I don't know where we get that from because that is not from God because I believe that God wants you to be the best. I believe God wants you to be great. I believe God doesn't want you to settle for second best. I believe he wants you to accomplish great things for your life, and he's put greatness inside of you. And so what I'd like for every one of us to do is to write this thought down. And I only have two thoughts that I want you to write down today, and this is going to be the first one. And I want you to write this down because I want you to take this with you this week and put it somewhere where you can just see it and remember it. Here's the first thought. I can be humble and great. I can be humble and great. Okay, so we're going to practice. Turn to three people right now and tell them this. Hey, I'm humble and great. I'm humble and great. So, so there's nothing wrong with being great. I mean, it's, it, that's not the problem. The, the question isn't, should I be great? The, the, the question is, though, 
what's my motive for wanting to be great? See, the disciples, when we look at this story from Mark's gospel, they, they wanted to be great. Nothing wrong with that. But their, their motives were off. Their motives weren't right. Let's look back at Mark chapter 10, verse 35. It says, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and they spoke to him and they said, teacher, let's say this together, what? We want you to do us a favor. We want you to do us a favor. So here's the thing. James and John, they're, they're on the right track because they want to be great. Nothing wrong with wanting to be great and they're going to the source of greatness. But, but the problem is, is they're their motive, their motive is off. Like have, you ever, have you ever had anybody ask you for a favor and it just causes you to pause, doesn't it? Because you know what they're about to ask you is not going to benefit you. So if somebody says, hey, will you do me a favor? You don't step into that like, oh, yes. You take a step back, don't you? Like, okay, what do you want? Like somebody comes to you and they say, hey, will you, will you do me a favor? Um, nobody, nobody ever says this. Will you do me a favor? got this trip. Um, we're going to Cancun, and it's an all-inclusive resort. It's right on the beach. It's absolutely beautiful. Could you please go for us? <laughs> no. Nobody ever says that. You know what they say? They say this. Hey, could you do me a favor? We have this um, vacation we're going on to Cancun. It's on the beach. It's all-inclusive. Could you give us a ride to the airport? That's what they ask. Because this is what James and John are doing right here. They, they say to Jesus, I, I love this phrase, they say, hey, would you, would you do us a favor? So what they are about to ask Jesus wasn't for his benefit. It wasn't for his benefit at all. In, in fact, they were really manipulating his power for their own selfish gain. And that's called Pride manipulating Jesus in this moment. They recognize and realize he's all-powerful and I can get what I want from him. And so they try to manipulate the situation and that's called pride. See, greatness, greatness begins by humbling ourselves before God and acknowledging that he is great, that he is the source of greatness, that, that he, is the, he has the power to make us great, that he is the giver of of greatness, that James and John in this moment, what they, what they should have been doing when they looked and they just said, man, this is Jesus, son of God, Messiah, God in the flesh, creator of the world, alpha and omega, beginning and end, gonna judge the entire world, lion of Judah, what, what they should have done in this moment when they saw who it was, they should have came to Jesus and said, hey, can we do a favor for you? But, but instead they, they turn it around. Man, I think often so many times our, our prayers are no different than, than James and John. They, they consist of asking Jesus for a favor, what he can do for me. And we, we, we come to Jesus and we recognize that he's all-powerful. And so we, we will manipulate his power, knowingly or unknowingly, we will manipulate that power for our, our own benefit and our own good and that's called pride so we come before God in pride no different than James and John did here but humility is really I think coming before God and asking God what favor can I do for you like think think about that when, when was the last time 
that you came before God in prayer and said, what favor can I do for you? Because too often we're, we're coming to God in prayer and we're saying, well, I need you to do this for me, God, or I need you, maybe we'll broaden the circle a little bit. I need you to do this for my, for my, for my family. But it rarely gets outside of that. But we've got to turn that around and we've got to start asking God, hey, God, what favor can I do for you? Think about it. Why would we not do that? I mean, when I thought about that, I thought, why do I, I, why do I come to God all the time with me prayers? And this is what I need you to do for me when, hang on a second, this is, this is the man who created me. This is the guy who put greatness inside of me. This is the source of greatness. He is the one who has the power to make me great. He is the one who knows what's going to make me great. Why wouldn't I come to him and ask him, hey, what favor can I do for you? So James and John, they, they, they don't do that. And so Jesus, he, he plays along with them, and he's like, he's, you love this, he's just like, oh, what's your request? And he's God, he already knows, it's such a dad move, it's like when your kids come to you, dads, you know, and you're like, and they're, they're asking, hey, da, 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 and you're just like, oh, what is it you need? And what's your answer going to be after they spit it out? Uh, no. So here's, here's what Jesus, listen, say, this is what they said. And you got to kind of read into this a little bit here, it says, when they said, they said this to Jesus, when you sit on your glorious throne, so they're totally buttering him up, okay? They're like, you know, you're glorious, big, and shiny. It's an amazing throne, Jesus. We love your throne. So they're kind of buttering him up here a little bit, and they, they say, we want to we wanna sit in places of honor right next to you, one on the left, one on the right. You pick. You pick. I don't care, but we just like to sit there. I mean, that is... That's, that's like one of your kids coming to you and going, hey, Dad, Dad, hey, will you get your sweet new truck? Uh, can I borrow it on Friday night? Uh, no. <laughs> Which was Jesus' answer to them as well. I mean, he says it a little bit different, but basically he just pulls a dad move on him and goes, no, that's not for you to decide. That's for, that's for God the Father to decide. And so Jesus, in this moment, tells them no because he is coming to establish a different kingdom than what they think. See, the disciples, you may know this or not know this, but the disciples, they had no idea the kind of kingdom Jesus was coming to establish. They thought he was coming to establish an earthly kingdom. And they thought he was coming to overthrow the Romans. And so in this moment, what James or John are doing is what any of us probably would do with their jockeying for position. Like they, they, wanted, they want some notoriety. They want to secure their position. They, they want this place of honor. And the truth is, don't we, don't we all do this at times? I mean, isn't this what we do in life? We, we chase these places of honor? Because deep down inside, we all, all want to be recognized. We all want some notoriety. I just want people to, I just want to feel, I want to feel great. That's why we chase likes on social media. I mean, it's why we, we that's, like, it's the craziest thing. We have notifications on our phones to tell us that people like us. <laughs> have you thought about how weird that is? Like, I'm going to have some notifications just to remind, bing, okay, good, somebody likes me, okay, bing, okay, well, hang on a second, I got to look. Oh, only seven people like me. Oh, it's so bad. Come on, let's get the likes up here. <laughs> bing, I'm good. Bing, I'm awesome. I'm great. I mean, we just, it's just crazy that we do that, that we have to set up a notification to build ourselves up. But we'll, listen, we don't do it just with social media. We'll, we'll do it with a, a title or a position. We'll chase a title in a company or at work. And if I can just get that, that title and 
I'll get some respect. And then there's no longer, I mean, people will start, I'll start telling people what to do. And then they'll know I'm somebody. And then they'll know that I'm important. Or we chase a, a car as our place of honor. If I can just sit in that seat of that car and I can pull into the drop-off lane at the preschool and drop my kids off. And that's right. Yeah, check me out, girl. Ah! Because I'm all that. Look at this. Instead of what maybe you are driving or you want to pull up to the office in something else than what you have because you want to be noticed. You want to be recognized. You want to know that I'm... We're all screaming out, somebody say I'm great. Somebody. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. We do it with zip codes. We, we pick a certain zip code. Where I'm, I want to live in this zip code so then people think I'm, I'm somebody. I mean, I do this. I mean, it's like whenever I give directions to my house, I'll just be honest. This is the way I give directions to my house. You go about a quarter mile up the road, and you're going to see a housing addition. It's called Richland Estates. We live across the street. Because <laughs> we all... We all want to be recognized, we want to be respected, we want to feel important, but listen, that is, that is the wrong motive for greatness. It's the wrong motive. Like, turn to somebody right now, tell them, come on, three people, it's the wrong motive for greatness. That's the wrong motive, wrong motive for greatness. Look at verse 41, <laughs> like this, when the, when the 10 other disciples heard uh, what James and John had asked, they were what? indignant. In other words, they were ticked, okay? That would be the other translation of this. They were angry. They were put off by this because their motive wasn't any different than James and John. They suddenly heard, well, 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 we know Jesus is going to set up his kingdom. Hang on. You guys, come on. They're, they're taking our spot. And so they are jockeying for position. They want to be noticed. They don't want to get passed over. They don't want to lose their position at all. And so they're mad at James and John. Isn't it true that it's, it's easy to um, celebrate someone's accomplishment as long as they don't accomplish more than you accomplish? It's just as long as they don't accomplish more. For instance, somebody comes to you and they're like, hey, you know, I've been praying for, um, hey, get a new car, you know, and, um, and I got one. And you'd be like, man, that's awesome. Oh, tell me about it. And they're like, well, it's not exactly new. I mean, it's, it's like a 1997. It's got like 183,000 miles on it. And you hear that and you're like, oh, but that's great. Oh, praise God. Let's just give him praise. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. Hallelujah. Woo. So happy for you. But let that person, when they say they got a new car, tell you that, oh, you're, this is crazy. Somebody gave me a 2017 Ford F-150. In that moment, you're like, what? What? God, what? What? Or let, let somebody come to you and say, hey, you know, I've been praying that I, I've been praying for a good job and, 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 I, and I, got, I finally got one. And you're like, man, that's so good. Yes. Tell me about that job. And so they start, well, you know, I mean, it's, it's an entry-level position. And you're like, oh, that's okay, that's okay. You know, I mean, it's, you know, and I'm, there's really no benefits, but there's a promise that if I stay there long enough, maybe I get some benefits and the chance of promotion. And frankly, honestly, I'm just paying my bills. And you're just like, to God be the glory. Hallelujah. I mean, you're just excited for him. And you rightfully should be in that moment. But, but let them come to you and, and say, hey, I got, I got a new job, but it is crazy. 
And they tell you, yeah, they, they made me VP of the company. Like, I'm embarrassed to even tell you how much money I'm going to be making. And they've given me a company car. I got a corner office, a 401k that they're pouring into. I got all the benefits. And look, I got a brand new iPhone 8. Woo! I didn't even know that was out yet. Because it's so hard to celebrate someone else's greatness when you're thinking about your own greatness. We were never meant to measure each other by each other. I'm not supposed to measure my greatness against your greatness because here's what happens. When I measure my greatness against your greatness, pride creeps in and insecurity creeps in. And suddenly I don't want the best for you anymore. I just want the best for me at whatever cost it takes. And that's called pride. So Jesus, he, he calls them together. And he tells them that greatness looks a little bit different in his kingdom. And, and he tells them how greatness should be measured. Look at verse 43. And Jesus says this. If you've been in church for any amount of time, this probably is not a new verse to you. And this is what it says. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be what? Your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be what? The slave of everyone else. There it is. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian, so I just got to be humble. I just got to take second place. I can't win. I need the participation trophy. I'm happy with the participation trophy. I love participation trophies. I don't love participation trophies. Those are not of God. They are not of the Lord. They are not blessed. They are the son of Satan. That's what they are. And you should, they should be rid from the earth, okay? Anyway, that's, sorry, that's a sidestep. Um, don't get me started on that. But we feel that way, don't we? There it is, right there. And what happens to us as followers of Jesus, we, I've done this forever, when we read a scripture like that, you're like, oh, there it is. I just got to be a servant. Oh, low is me. I got to be a slave in bondage to everyone else. That is not what Jesus is saying here. And if that's what you've heard in church and that's been your feeling of what you're supposed to do, well, if I become a follower of Jesus, I can't ever aspire to anything great. I can't ever be great. I just have to be the lowest of lows and I have to let everybody else go in front of me. You miss what Jesus says in this passage because look, look back at it, what he says here. He says, whoever wants to be a leader, other versions say this, whoever, whoever wants to be great. In other words, Jesus is saying in this moment, I want you to be great. Like I want my followers to be great. I want them to be good at, at things. I, he says, I, I want you to, to finish first. He says, whoever wants to be first. So God wants us to aspire to be leaders. He wants us to aspire to greatness. He wants us to aspire to be first. So humility is not this idea like I have to finish second. That's not humility. But when you look at this, what God wants us to do is to be the leaders, to finish first. He wants you to be great. Come on, let's, let's, let's encourage one another with this. Turn to, turn to a few people right now and say, hey, God created you for greatness. Come on, tell some people right now. God has created you for greatness. Something great. Now, when somebody spoke that to you, the truth is, for some of you, you're like, not me. I mean, I, I get that you're great, and you're great, and you're great behind me, and, but not me. 
that voice that you're hearing that's telling you that you're not great is not the voice of God. That is the voice of the enemy. And the enemy will speak that into the life of a follower of Jesus because he doesn't want followers of Jesus to be great. He doesn't want you to accomplish anything. Because if you accomplish great things, guess what? The gospel's going to move forward. And he doesn't want the gospel to go forward. He doesn't want good things to happen in people's lives. So he's going to beat you into submission and say, you have nothing great in you. But God says, no, I birthed you for greatness. And if you don't believe that, I would encourage you to take the cause assessment. You probably, if you've been coming to Core Church, you've heard me talk about this, the cause assessment. Go to corechurch.com, click on cause, and in less than 10 minutes, you can learn five spiritual gifts that you have. Five of them. God's put five, at least five gifts inside of you. And in less than 10 minutes, you can discover, holy smokes, I had no idea this is a gift that God gave to me. In a short amount of time, you can learn what your abilities are. If you don't think you have any talents, any giftings, you have abilities God's put inside of you. But the enemy, he's like, do not go to corechurch.com. Do not click on the cause assessment. It's a waste of your time. You know what you need to do? Binge watch Blacklist. Way better. Way more productive for you today. Don't do that cause assessment. When you have that feeling in you that says, yeah, I'll do it later. You know where that comes from? The enemy who's trying to get you to not do that. He doesn't want you to discover all that you can be in Christ, all that he has, all the greatness he's put inside of you. So I would encourage you to check that out, to, to do that. But here's the thing we got to remember is God doesn't make us great for our own selfish gain. He doesn't make us great for our own selfish gain. Look, look back at the passage. What does he say in verse 43? He says, be the greatest, be a leader, be first, but use your greatness to serve others. Use your greatness to help people. Use your greatness to, to lift people up. Moms, you're really good at this. Like, really good at it. Um, I've had a front row seat to watch my wife. And I, and I know I know I speak for every man in this place. Guys, we have this habit, don't we? And we, we, we have this little thing we'll say like, um, oh, man, I, you know, uh, I married up. Or I outpunted my coverage. You know, all these little phrases we say. And we say it and we're kind of tongue-in-cheek. But is it, it's true, right? Like every man legitimately feels that way, including this man. That I, I have no idea why he gave me who he gave me. Every husband feels that way about you loves you, because we watch you, and we admire you, and we're in awe of you, because you are so self-sacrificing. You just, the whole reason you want to be a mom isn't so that everybody's like, check me out in my mom greatness. I mean, no. <laughs> you, that's not who you are. You're great, so your kids will be great. Like, if you're a teenager in here, listen, you have an amazing mom, and you need to let her know on more than just Mother's Day. Like she's giving, I'm telling you, I have a front row seat for this. And I've watched my wife lay down her life for 32 years. Not for herself. No selfish gain. Everything pushing her children forward. I want my kids to be great. I want them to be successful. This is who you are as a mom. And we as dads, we're inspired by that. Because, man, we want to be like that too. I, I, saw, I saw this happen at, at Core Community. In our last one, we had a senior night, and we honored our seniors. 
And we set up these, if you weren't there, uh, core communities where we gather, we have a night of, uh, we eat together and pray together and hang out. And so we honored the seniors. Every senior had their own individual table that they could um, display and put their stuff on. And I, I love it because um, uh, Eric Hawkinson, who was singing this morning, if you don't know Eric, he's our youth pastor, uh, he, he, did, he didn't call the students to remind them about it, okay? There's a reason for that because moms would have walked in that night and went, what is this? Oh, did I not say anything? Oh, yeah, I totally forgot. <laughs> Supposed to have some kind of display or something. I don't know what it is. They got my name, though. Didn't spell it right, but they got it. He didn't contact the dads. Because it would have been the exact same thing. Dads would have been like, oh, yeah, I totally forgot to tell you, honey. (laughs) Oh, yeah. At least they got the name spelled right. I mean, you just, uh... no, he called the moms. Called the moms. And you moms were like, it was just like, it's on now. It's on. I mean, you just saw this moment, not for you to be great, not to show off your greatness, but to show off the greatness of your child. You spent hours finding the perfect pictures. You, you created a display for them, and you're like, oh, man, I just want it to look like this. And, and you just poured all your time and energy into it. Why? Not so you get the pat on the back, because you wanted everybody to show up and see how amazing and great your child is. That's what you did. And so I stood back, and I watched all this. And my daughter, who was a senior this year, she had her own table. And I was like, well, dang, is hers isn't the greatest table. I mean, it was the best. It did finish first. If we'd had a competition, we, I would have gotten the trophy. I say that in humility, okay? Humble and great. So here's the second thing I, I want you to write down. So the first thing I had to write down was this. I can be humble and great. I can be humble and great. I want you to write this down. God put greatness in me to bring out the greatness in others. God put greatness in me to bring out the greatness in others. This is who we are. This is what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to be people who help others, serve others, lift others up. You had greatness put inside of you for the sole purpose of making this world a better place. And this is who Jesus was. Jesus, the greatest figure in human history, arguably, go anywhere. People would say, who's the greatest figure in human history? They'd say, probably Jesus, Jesus. Who's the greatest servant this world has ever known? No competition. In the church, outside the church, they say, oh, Jesus was. And here's what Jesus said in verse 45 about himself. He said, for even the Son of Man, which was a title, Son of God, he's announcing he's the Messiah here. So in this moment, he's saying, I'm, I'm the Son of God greatness. I love this. Jesus is owning his greatness. He's like standing in it. I am the son of God, Messiah, Lion of Judah, Savior of the world, Alpha Omega. I'm going to judge the entire world. That's what he's saying in just three simple words, son of God. I am great. And then he says this, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others. Humble. Humble and great giving his life as a ransom for many. Jesus used his greatness to bring out the greatness in others. This is a picture of the church. These are the 
church clothes that we should be putting on. This is what we should be displaying to the world. We should be following in the footsteps of our Savior, that I embrace who I am in Christ. I embrace the greatness that is within me so that I can bring out the greatness in others. Come on, turn to somebody right now and tell them, say, hey, I'm humble and great, but, but for your benefit, I'm humble and great for your benefit. Greatness has been put inside of me. Greatness has been put inside of you so that we can serve the world and make the world a better place.